Welcome to the Voice Memo Podcast. That's Jennifer. She also goes by JV Red for a very bright, very bold hair. I've known her for about 20 years. She's from Wisconsin, but she's full California now. <laughs> this is my friend Byron Jack, as what some of us close to get to call him. I've known Myron for 20 years. He is foremost an amazing dad to his daughter, Leah, which I've been honored to watch that relationship develop. He's an amazing writer, crazy funny, one of the most intelligent people I know. But I always question his recommendations and TV shows. <laughs> as well, as well you should. Okay, so the Voice Memo podcast is about short takes on many topics, just like when you do a quick voice memo on your iPhone or maybe on Android, who knows? Your memo is short and to, and to the point. And if you're like Jen and I, you have multiple conversations going on at once. And look, if you want to go deep into a topic, then this is not the show for you. We go shallow. <laughs> Let's go. Puts me on mute. Oh, so we are we are live. We're live. Hello, hello. Right. This is Voice She's Jennifer. Good morning. Good morning, and happy Friday. Oh, that's nice. So Jennifer is my uh, twenty-year friend. She's from Wisconsin. She's a lovely lady, a lot of common sense. Um, does a lot of working out. She's vegan and she's a fur baby mom. She has a wonderful dog named uh, Mojito, the beast, as I call him. <laughs> we are in California. And this is our this is our podcast, Voice Memos. We do a lot of talking about a lot of topics, but we do not go deep. We are very shallow. Very shallow, very shallow. And this is Myron, as you know from our introduction, I've known him for 20 plus years. So this is our officially our second voice memo series. Uh, Hello. I'm, I'm curious, have you received any feedback on our voice memos from our first episode? Voice memo, I did receive feedback from um, a few people that they really enjoyed um, our first um, podcast and that they really enjoyed you and your hot takes. There were a couple issues that we admitted. We knew there were issues with sound, so I got that, and our opening was a little bit dodgy. But you know what? Um, I also got feedback from people that love that, that we were talking about. We are shallow. We do not go deep. <laughs> it's a good thing because we have so many opinions on so many things that if we spent an hour just talking about one thing, we would be doing a disservice to our audience. We really, we should be a special... Uh, committee as part of the United Nations. <laughs> you know, they have all those experts from around the world and all the topics, you know, they, they cover everything, but they don't have a couple of people like us who are just shallow. <laughs> <laughs> How the world would be a better place if that was the case. You know, very simply put, if the world did as you and I told the world, the world would be happier. <laughs> Parage. You know, I was uh, watching or listening to the news. You know me, I, I'm very sporadic with my news, where I get it, how often I spend in it. 
But something that came out this past week uh, or past two weeks, possibly past week was the Amazon unionization. Now, both you and I come from corporate America and we were at a major cellular company for many, many years. And we spent a lot of time talking about not being unionized. And it wasn't because we didn't want employees to uh, feel safe in their work environment. It was more so because there's a cost to being a union. And recently I just saw that Amazon, that it was in New York, I believe, that became a unionized warehouse. Uh, I was wondering what your thoughts on that. And I believe the employee that rallied for it was a terminated employee. Am I correct in that? Right. It's a um, great story. And I, I, I'm going to try to pull up his name. But yes, he was fired from Amazon and he was mocked online for trying to start that union. And you know what? That bastard did it. Like he, he got that group um, of employees. They, 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 boy, they marched for a little bit or protested, and he got them in the boat. And it is a significant win for uh, workers at Amazon because we all know Amazon workers are. Uh, well, I don't know. If we all know, but there was a there was a just a brief story. There was a time where, uh, as you recall, Jane Boyce, I used to drive um, for Lyft and Uber. In, in this area and there were there was an Amazon warehouse here and I used to pick up Amazon workers you know at the five o'clock when they would get it off at five o'clock the shift change 5 a.m but also taking people to work um, and over the course of maybe a couple of years I probably drove I would say uh, conservative to me maybe about 40 50 different Amazon workers and not a single one was happy not a single one Every single one had complaints about the uh, the injuries, the stress of the job, the demand for perfection, and how the how the robots um, uh, inspected their work, and they, they could only have so many errors per shift, or they would lose, um, uh, they would get in trouble and get write ups, and how their their management was just draconian, and how they how they manage them. And every single person, this is not, a, not an exaggeration, they were just working because it was the available job at that time in a, a pretty tough economy, and but they were all looking for another job. So to hear that um, one Amazon location has successfully unionized, it means that that could spread and the world's richest man, um, that guy Bezos, the, you know, that the billion, the gazillionaire, who could certainly give them raises and pay better benefits and all that, all the stuff that comes with why they needed a union. Um, let's hope that, um, so I'm happy about that. And yes, they made it and, and hopefully it spreads to other uh, Amazon locations. Yeah, I mean, based on just what I was hearing about the working environments and how, 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 how hard they were working, especially during COVID time, I think that's what it, it stemmed from just the insane amount of workload that was happening and the conditions that weren't that fantastic. Um, so, I mean, I'm happy to see it. I, I, I think, you, you know, my parents were union workers back in the day. I mean, back Back then when employee rights weren't as strong as they are now, I mean, especially you and I being in California, it's definitely an employee focused state. 
um, which is which is fantastic as an employee of a company. But ideally, yeah, you think about how having that having a union back in the 70s and 80s was critical because there were employees getting hurt on the job and not having protection and and working insane amount of hours uh, without legitimate equal pays. So I'm ha I'm happy to see it. Uh, I I hope hopefully the theme resonates and maybe there'll be changes before um, other warehouses have to become unionized because I think this is a good indication that um, you you have to treat your employees right. You have to treat them right. Otherwise, you end up in this situation. Yeah, you know what, uh, voice memo. Uh, one other thing about that, and you're so right, you have, you have to treat employees right. And one of the reasons that um, the decline of unions has been a pretty steady thing for about 70 years or something is um, only because of the laws that unions got passed for employee rights and treating employee rights and all those kind of things, right? But as, as these companies have begun pulling back on employee rights, I mean, think of not just Amazon, but think of, a Disney or Florida saying, uh, you can't say the word gay, like what the hell? So, and then companies funding that. So they pay, they pay the politicians who pass those laws. And so we are entering a, a space of, you can't as a corporation be giving money to people who pass laws that make it illegal or against company rules to say the word gay or to um, wear your hair, your natural hair, if you're a black woman, or um, to, to have your, um, your tattoos or be who you are, or, or request that you be addressed uh, with the proper pronouns. Like you can't be firing people for that. But when you start seeing those kind of laws or those kind of policies come back, then the natural result of that is you're gonna see people go towards union unionization again. And that, that's what should happen. And I would just say, um, based on my experience, the, the management team who allowed that union to happen at that Amazon, they're probably all fired now. Like, yes. A management team that is like, they're gone. Cause that means that they were so bad that that was the first union, successful union um, voting in all of Amazon and for a company that size. So that, that management team all the way up, you know, to the top of that location, maybe they're regional or all that kind of stuff. They're, they're probably out of jobs right now. And you know what, rightfully so. You know, I think about that. I, th I think about that, sir, that um, you, as a leader, you and I both been leaders. I've been in the, the leadership roles for over 20 years. And I think to myself that I would never want an employee to ever go home um, and tell their family and friends that they have the shittiest manager that doesn't support them. My goal has always been, listen, you are my customer. And if you're not getting what you need to do your job effectively, then I'm not doing my job. And it's unfortunate that I, we're, we're definitely a minority in, in when we provide that sort of level of leadership to our teams. So, um, voice from all. So we just had a, a mass shooting in Sacramento, and I would say that the that the police, the local police, were pretty inept, and this 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 DA is pretty inept. But they're now reclassifying it as a um, what did they say that today? They said they called it a uh, like a rivalry. It was a rivalry um, shootout as opposed to a mass shooting. Although if you're dead, 
and you're one of the people that's in the hospital from guns, none of that matters, right? Like you, you're like, you can call it whatever you want, but it was a couple of people, just like you hear, a couple of people at a bar or outside a bar got in an, an argument or something and then came back and with some semi-automatic weapons and just started indiscriminately um, firing into a crowd. But it, it turns out it wasn't indiscriminate. They were firing at people they were having um, issues with. And uh, the bystanders took the brunt of all the, um, all the, all the, all the shooting. And the thing is, that's the second one in Sacramento this year. There was one in Dallas and there was one just yesterday, I think somewhere in South Carolina or something. And it doesn't even, it doesn't even trip the, the national attention in, anymore. It's like, it's not even a big deal. It's just, it just, this is what we live with. Isn't that, and, and Sacramento just got off of that shooting with that father that killed his three daughters and the social worker. So it, it, it's a constant, it's actually exhausting. Um, I was having a conversation with a very dear friend who was giving me amazing feedback on our on our podcast, and we talked about how the news in totality is overwhelming. So we work, and this is why our why we work so well is because we go shallow because there's so much that you could get just engulfed and swallowed by the amount of negativity when it comes to the news. And you know, being a vegan, I get enough um, sadness just by animal cruelty videos that having to hear and listen to the amount of gun violence that continues to just, I, what, what is the, what is the total of guns owned by the United States over, we have 330 million people in this country, but there's about 396 million guns or something like that. Yeah, there's, there, there's more than one gun per person in a country and, and something like, um, like, three or 4% of the people own 80% of those guns. Fuck. I'm not against owning a gun. Let, let's be, let's be true here. I'm not, I'm not against it. I just, I think personally, there needs to be way more testing and background and there, there needs to be so much more involved. And you know what? You don't need a fucking AK 47 or whatever that is. You don't need that in your house. You don't. That's some. That's some big, 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 big time small dick energy. Like that. That. Yes. I'm not, I'm not against. Because <laughs> I'm thinking with my D. <laughs> that that big old automatic or semi-automatic or all those all those special names they have that you know that make them feel like like big men. You know all that stuff that won't do nothing for that limp dick you got. Nothing. <laughs> Zero point zero. Right. It's not going to give you another three inches. It's not going to give you another five minutes. Like you, were, <laughs> you are what you are. <laughs> Do you, so, you know, I, I was thinking about um, speaking of guns and this whole, and this war that's happening in the Ukraine. Uh, I think what I was most challenged with is that, you know, the U S set up a refugee or a, a a way for some of these Ukrainians to come into the United States. And I was thinking that last week we were talking about dreamers and how some people are spending 20 to 30 years trying to get citizenship in the United States. And we're opening up, which I, which I, hey, listen, we should, we should welcome anybody that's in turmoil. But why are we just keeping it specific to the Ukrainians? Why is it, why does it impact black and brown people having to spend so much time and energy trying to get to the United States and feel safe? 
Yeah, that's that. That's really some bullshit. You know, it's some. It, it really is some bullshit because. Um, so, voice from like you're saying, I love the idea of rescuing and helping um, the Ukrainian people. Like they may be, they may be, there would be some racist bastards over there the way they were treating Africans and Indians. However, that does not justify like locking them out or anything like that. You still, we as people who have humanity, you still want to help people no matter if they're awful in how they treat other people. Not to the point of like what Russia is doing or that kind of stuff, but those people do not deserve what is happening to them. So I do want the U.S. to take its fair share of Ukrainian people. And also, we got people fleeing wars and gangs and drug cartels the south of our border going all the way down to the, to, um, the tip of uh, uh, Argentina down there. Uh, um, or is that, what is that? What's, what country is that at the bottom? Yeah, it is Argentina. So we should be letting those people in as well because they're, they're fleeing the exact same thing. And just because they're brown-skinned folk, as we like to say, we should be letting them in. And then we have people from different Caribbean islands escaping persecution. And we have people um, from um, the continent of Africa escaping persecution. We have people from, from, um, from Asia, uh, the Rohingya people. There's a lot of people that seek refuge and we block a lot of people, a lot of people, depending on the, on the shade of skin they have. So yeah, I totally agree. But speaking of Ukraine, voice memo, Russia has some goddamn, they own some goddamn shit. Like, I don't know what you do to a superpower that has enough nuclear weapons to like obliterate a bunch of places, even though they would, they would also die. What do you do? Like they are killing, um, it, I don't know if you classify it as genocide, but it might be close, it might be approaching that. They certainly are doing what is called war crimes. They're killing kids and there are some horrific videos of them just killing civilians, just rounding up people, taking them out of their houses, arms tied on their backs, gunshots in the head, just leaving them in the streets. And that is, um, that, I mean, that, that is a mess. I don't know what you do to that. Like, I don't know. Like some people say the US should intervene militarily, but who, who who's going to do that? Like, what happens after that? Because you don't just bomb them and, and not expect them to bomb us. Like, what happens? Who's ready for that? So, and I'm not saying not to do it. I just don't know what to do. I, I don't have that kind of expertise, but I know that Russia is on some bullshit right now. Some bullshit. I think you summed that up correctly. I mean, if you, yeah, I, I don't, I, I would never turn anybody away. I think we, Haven. It just shouldn't be, it shouldn't be categorized to different because of the, the color of your skin tone. That that's, I think, I think just like speaking of color of skin tone, sir, let's talk about KBJ and the Supreme court uh, nominee and how I, I just saw a vote of 11 to 11. Was there a, was correct me, you know, Yes, so that it's a Brown Jackson um, just went through her brutal, brutal Supreme Court uh, confirmation process. Well, let's take a step back. The confirmation process for the Supreme Court is some talk about some bullshit. Look, the first 121 white men who went to the Supreme Court, there was no confirmation process. The confirmation process only started, I think it was in the 50s, maybe in the 40s, when a Jewish man was nominated. And then all the white guys were like, oh, hold on, hold on. We can't just let anybody up in this club. 
promotion process. And now it is an it is an utter circus. But the but the the the, the fury that that people felt listening to Republican senators who supported the insurrection, right? Who supported the insurrection, who supported what is called the big lie that um, the former guy won the election and who many are in cahoots with Russia just to, to sit there and question her integrity and start drilling her about pedophile shit. As if a black woman in the, in the history of the world got some pedophile shit on her. Like she's been ruling and judges only only issue rulings based on the laws that Congress passes. And they interpret those laws and say, here's what I have to, based on this crime, here's what, here's the sentencing you get. So she don't just, no judge just makes up shit that they want to do. They have rules they go by, but they're trying to hold her accountable. But so, so, so after the confirmation, the 11-11 time, what you're referencing is, then it goes to the Senate Judicial Committee. It's like a subgroup of senators, and there were 22, 11 Republicans and 11 Democrats. The 11 Democrats voted for her. The 11 Republicans were fucking racist, misogynist pig, didn't vote for her. Not, not a single one in that committee. But that committee is just like when you have a breakout group. That's all it is. They're just a breakout group. And nobody, nobody likes breakout groups, and nobody cares what the fuck people come back with after breakout groups. So then Chuck Schumer, who was the leader um, of, of that group, he then can say, we're gonna just discharge that group, you know, close the door, they don't matter. So it's gonna go to the full Senate for a confirmation. And three, so all the Democrats voted for her. And even if it was gonna be a tie, Vice President Kamala Harris is the president of the Senate and she would have the tie-breaking vote. So as long as all Democrats vote for Katanji Brown Jackson, she would be, um, not, she would she would get the get the job, and it's a done deal because three Republicans also said they would vote for her. So she she's a done deal. But you know some of the worst thing about it, not only them questioning her and uh, just a bunch of mediocre white men questioning her that was one thing. But the other thing is, you know this lady this lady is a Harvard grad. She is the most qualified person to come on the Supreme Court, probably in history, when you put her credentials up against everybody else. So it, it speaks to that thing that we hear from um, women, we hear from Black women, we hear from minorities overall, that, that we have to be better than everybody else just to be considered. And you know what, Jen? They, they, they asked her over, I think it was something like 1,100 questions. Fucking Can you imagine a fucking panel interview like that? 1,100 questions. I would bring my water gun. I'd be like, you know what? So she got it. She would be the first <laughs> Supreme Court justice. And she. I think she'll be, I think by the time this comes out, um, it, it should happen either by Friday or Monday or something like that. Incredible, incredible, and I'm excited to I'm I'm excited to be part of it. Yeah, I was I was taken back by some of the questions as I watched her be interrogated, and her composure and professionalism uh, just set her apart from that old Yahoo, that white guy that Trump put in place. I don't even want to say his name, but you know the crybaby that sat there um, when Trump put him in the Supreme Court. Fuck. So I, I was as as a woman, I was definitely proud to 
uh, watch it and uh, maintain and see her composure mm. and how she just just how she she used her um her stature she used her experience all of that just put everybody else to shame so it was it was a, it was it was definitely amazing to watch and also painful at the same time well you know it's funny because um as a you being a woman you've been in leadership roles and you um, I having the, knowing some of your history, I know that you have worked your way up through a, a couple of different corporations, and I know you hit the glass ceiling, and you you sat in panel interviews, um, and been drilled and questioned by people who didn't have your skills, abilities, or results. Like they didn't have that, and you had to sit there and try to be, you know, try to smile, answer their questions, knowing all along that that was a lot of bullshit coming at you. Bullshit, and. Watching, and watching men, specifically white men, take jobs and get jobs without half the experience that I had. It was very, uh, I, I wouldn't say that it's relatable. I think just from a woman's standpoint, I, I, I definitely, there's a lot of what she went through resonated with me. I, 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 to, I don't know if I could have been as calm and cool and collective if I was drilled with 1,100 questions, but fucking A, man. It, it was, uh, let's just say. It brought back a lot of memories. Yeah, yeah, that 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 was a mess. But you know what? So let's go back to them asking her about her rulings on on sexual crimes and things like that. Which mm. when Republicans accuse you of something, it's always a projection. They're always guilty, of whatever it is they're accusing. Always. You. So 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 Tennessee voice memo. Tennessee just passed a law making it okay uh, to marry children, girls, not I mean, as young as five years old that Tennessee men can marry girls as young as five years old. I mean, think Are you fucking kidding me? Wait, what? Yeah, Tennessee just, just passed that law. What? What's the point of the law? What? It's just the way they, um, they're, co they're codifying, what is that called? Um, child abuse. And so, so, so the way they keep child abuse stories in the news is by accusing Democrats of such um, heinous crimes when actually they literally pass laws um, to make it legal to marry, like to marry a child. And they, they pass laws. So Oklahoma just wants law. It's, it's not the same, but it can be the same. Um, they, Oklahoma just passed law banning abortion, period. And if an if abortion provider provides an abortion, they can get 10 years in prison. But, but contrast that with, in the state of Oklahoma, if you rape someone, you probably, if, if you're even prosecuted, it's a five-year sentence. So, and if the woman has, and the woman has to have your baby. I mean, that state is so fucked up. It's not even, it's not just them. I mean, it's not just Look them. at Texas. Yeah, and so, and so it is said that they are doing that these states are doing that because Katanji Brown Jackson is going to the Supreme Court. It's going to change the makeup of the court. And Justice Roberts, even though the court is five conservative, four um, um, generally liberal, Justice Roberts will at times try to balance it out and side with the liberal side, even though they'll still lose five, four. But now you add Katanji. Brown Jackson, it can change some things. So Republican states are pushing through some really awful 
uh, laws because they know it's going to be contested. They want to try to get it to the court before she gets in there. So they're just going straight up just the worst you can imagine. Unfucking believable. I know something too that Republicans um, decided they could have changed the law to make insulin for dia diabetics that they could have made like $25, but they kept it and approved the $1,200 for insulin. Like that was a Republican passed law recently. And I, I don't know enough about it. It just came up on one of my news feeds or something. And I thought to myself, what the fuck is wrong? What, what, what are we doing here? Why are we, I guess you always used to tell me this is, uh, is follow the money, right? I think any law that's being passed, you just follow the fucking money. Yeah, that's, that's usually what it is. It's just, it's really simple. So yeah, that, that's some bullshit. So, um, voice from my how's mojito you know this dog i swear to god uh, first of all he's doing well you know every time every time we have these conversations i tell you that he's four diseases and he still walks every day twice a day uh i was thinking about how with him it got me thinking about i i, I feed him a slash half vegan half carnivore diet um I was thinking about how dogs in general, how they can eat the same thing for their entire life. You know, unlike us humans in general, most people want to mix up their food and will not be uh, eat their food consistently, eat the same thing, even though I can eat the same breakfast. But did you know that a dog has only 1700 taste buds and we as humans have 9,000? So them eating their same meal is fine because their taste buds aren't as uh, as full as a human beings with 9,000. Interesting, right? Uh, I did not know that. Yep, 1,700. So all those people out there thinking, oh, my poor dog has to eat the same food. Bitch, he don't know. He don't know. He, he's just eating. Don't even worry about it. Don't even waste your energy thinking that you got to mix shit up a little bit. Nope, they don't care. That's crazy. So Okay, so wait a minute. So last week, worst moment, last week you were telling me about how dogs have a gazillion um, smelling sensors or something like that. Yes. Okay, so they got all this the process. Yes, they have like their their ability to smell is 40 times greater than ours. So they can smell a lot of shit, but they can't taste it. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Uh, I was thinking about speaking of when you think about the human and dogs and uh, back on the human uh, on the human aspect in general. I, I watched this uh, documentary or not a really documentary, just a limited series. I think it's called The Principles of Pleasure. And it's three episodes and it takes you through uh, body connection and uh, understanding your body more so to understand pleasure. And then it takes you through the mind connection to the body and then relationships and how you ask for things in, in, in relationships. And listen, I've been on this planet now 51 years. And I remember the biggest takeaway from that, from that documentary or slash series was that there was a PhD um, person, woman on there talking about how the one of the myths as a woman is that when you have sex and you lose your virginity, you break 
you break the hymen. And that's what, you know, that's what claims you're no longer a virgin anymore because that is broken and blah, blah, blah. Bitch, I had no idea that it's technically a muscle and that it rebuilds itself. So the myth that you your hymen is broken is a fucking mind-blowing thing. Now, if any woman's listening to this and you knew this, then you are definitely better than me and I should probably know more about my body. But that is what I tell people when and if I have sex, which I can't remember the last time, that I'm technically a virgin because my hymen's grown back, FYI. So I just wanted you to know that. You feel about it? <laughs> That's some incredible information because um, cause we're swimming up because you know these guys be talking all this shit about you know who's a virgin and you got these rappers talking about they be checking their daughters and all kind of child abuse shit like that, checking hymens and all that kind of shit like that. And it just, to me, it shows just how stupid how American men are. Because women know this shit, generally speaking, but men don't know shit. And men prohibit this stuff from being taught in schools and they get it off rappers and off TV and off, you know, just street knowledge, um, frats and stuff like that, dorms. And it's some simple science around that, but we have this weirdly built up society that 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 views women's sexuality all the way to their bodies as something to be defined by men. Like if we say you're a whore or a slut, well then that, that's just it. That should be it. And it makes absolutely no sense. So that's uh yeah, that that's pretty incredible. I, I have that's pretty incredible. Thanks for sharing that. I haven't seen that series, I have it in my and on Netflix too, I'm gonna to try to watch that with my partner because I'm hoping it's like, um, like for the boomers, they used to watch late, they used to watch Johnny Carson and then have 15 minutes sex. I'm trying to do something like that. <laughs> hey, listen, my motto is no uterus, no opinion. So in general, like if you don't, if you don't have a uterus, you should be talking about my sexuality as a woman and what I can and cannot do with it. Right? So, what the hell? It's incredible. Um, so yeah, I think that was one of the biggest things that I watched and then I finished on your recommendation, I I finished and purged and binged The Gilded Age, which I found delightful. I, I found it mature. I found it, uh, it almost made me feel as if I wanted to be in that era. Like just from the costumes and the details and the homes and just the incredible um, visual effect that that show has. It's definitely, a more mature version of Bridgerton because I think what I think I did a poll on my Instagram of like which one do you watch if you watch both of them and Bridgerton came out on top and I think it's because it's so more romanticized and the the, the relationship building whereas the Gilded Age was more about family dynamic and new money versus old money so I I thank you for that recommendation it's the first time that you've given me a recommendation that I support Awesome. I will, I will take that slap backhanded compliment. <laughs> the voice from like, I, yeah, I, um, I love the Gilded Age. I didn't want to watch it, but I wanted to, um, uh, you know, how you have a partner, you want to try to find some common interests and things. And so Eliane loves all that. I think it's that Jane Austen lady. I don't, I don't really know, but um, so she wanted to watch that, but I got into it and it was pretty good. And I love the fact that um, like you said, the, the costumes, the mature um, conversations and things, 
topics and the little battles and all those. And I love that it was set in New York, that it, we don't always have to go back to England for yep. stories. And I love that they recognize the fact that there are Black people in, in New York and they weren't all poor people. They weren't all servants. They were regular people just doing regular stuff. So I love that. And I love that about season two of Bridgerton, that it's fantasy, right? Even though there's some dispute about whether or not Queen Charlotte was Black, she was drawn as an obviously mixed Black woman. So they got that part right. And some white people, and particularly in America, have this weird affinity for that, those eight, those um, British um, historical pieces, those period pieces, as they call them. They don't, really, they don't want to see anybody of any color, like just at all, even though we know from a historical record that those societies were integrated, you know, going back hundreds of years. And of course there were Indian people there because Great Britain did some bullshit on the Indian uh, continent, subcontinent. So of course, so, and it's fantasy. So if we can see green aliens and blue aliens, then we can see some brown skinned, beautiful Indian uh, women uh, doing their thing in the, in, in the world of Bridgerton. So between the color of Bridgerton and then back to um, the Gilded Age, those uh, the Black family and their own issues that aren't centered around just what white people are doing. They're having their own plot. That's some good stuff. That, that, was, that, was, that was fun TV. And I am not voice memo. I don't know about historical accuracy, but costumes or how they're talking about money or how the servants cook and all that shit. It's just entertaining. Exactly. I don't I don't get lost in the details as 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 the young folks say. All right, you know what's the voice from that brings me to something I want to talk about. The freaky cult leader, horrible actor Jared Leto. Like what the hell is wrong with that guy? I don't know, but he's 51 years old. Now, I don't know if you look at his photos. He looks like he is late 20s. So whatever cult he's in and he's drinking. I, I send it my way, but tell me a little bit what tell me what makes him a freaky cult leader. Okay, so Jared Leto. So the reason I bring him up is because he's out, he's starring in his new Marvel movie, Morbius. And Morbius in the Marvel comics is basically a vampire. They've done a few different things with his origin story and all this kind of crap, but he's basically a vampire. So they bring him into the what's called the Marvel Universe, the MCU, and Jared Leto's a star because he sort of looks like a vampire anyway. So maybe that's part of why he looks so young. Right <laughs> guy in Hollywood, like he looks good. You're right. But he doesn't look like, you know, they tend to age very quickly. He looks really good at 51. Um, he also has a band, and they say his band is pretty good. Um, he also has a little cult that he runs somewhere in upstate New York or something. And they dress all in white and he's like like the guru, sex guy, or some weird shit like that. But he also has a terrible reputation on set for being abusive and doing just some some bullshit. So oh. yeah, so so for example, on this Morbius set, they said, "Oh, he's one of those. I stay in character, so I do bullshit." And so he was uh, he stayed in. I guess his character in the movie is in a wheelchair. So so they put out. Oh, he he stayed in the wheelchair on the set. He would even go to the bathroom in his wheelchair. And it's like, well, what? Like, what, what the fuck is that? But when he was the Joker in the Harley Quinn movie, they say he delivered used condoms to his coworkers to stay in character. Stop it. So you never hear about black men, white women, 
black women, Asian women, Latino. You never buy anybody else doing bullshit stuff so they can stay in character. Like it's him. It's just these weird white guys like him that just do bullshit stuff on their sets and expect people to just, oh, they're just quirky and no, you're just a you're just a, a, a sexual um predator. Yeah, pervert. Yeah, I was yeah, yeah. pervert. Oh my God. So I did not hear that about him, which is, which is interesting. I mean, I, I, I haven't been, I was, I got lost in the weeds a little bit, you know, in regards to, of course, the slap heard around the world uh, with, with Chris Rock and Will Smith. And uh, I got wrapped up in just kind of following the bunny trail that social media one was taking me down, especially people not believing that Jada Smith even has alopecia like that, that she posted some video of her head, which looks like a little scar that's half a scar that someone says that's from a facelift or a brow lift and the LP, you know, look like that. It actually looks blotchier. Uh, have you heard any about that? Anything about that? What she has been uh, a proud, she's been proud of her, um, of her shaved head for years, like for years. That doesn't take away the fact that she chose to shave her head because of her disease. And so right. she's, owning, she's owning it. So it is no different than you know, any disease saying, I'm not going to let this define me. I'm going to do what and as I please. And I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be proud and out and active and show people that this is not something that should limit you. And so for people to use that against, it's just against her is really stupid. And if you really think about it, um, this is some of the reason Will Smith went off is because even now, two weeks after this uh, Grammys, she is still being attacked. Yep. Like it makes no sense. And you know what? All those comedians who were coming at Will Smith and saying they were afraid, you know, all of them, stupid Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes, all those, all those women who said they're having nightmares or afraid to go out, you know, centering themselves, all those comedians, Louis C.K., and, oh. and admitted, like he admitted it. He admitted being a sexual abuser, a pervert, a predator. He admitted it. He won a Grammy, and not one of those loud mouth comedians call, are calling him out. None of them. That said a fucking word. Not a fucking word. So a, 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 a man who has literal, literally preyed on uh, female comedians, mostly white, but not all white attacking him, literally perpetrating violence against them. They're just quiet. It's crickets now. But they were pearl-clutching over Will Smith, hand-slapping, palm-slapping a Black man. And it just, they, they were saying they have nightmares, they couldn't sleep, they couldn't go outside, all that. But now a literal predator, a violent predator, wins an award, and some are even congratulating A Grammy! He won a Grammy, not just some little mediocre you know, a uh, raspberry with, the, you know, right. getting a shitty raspberry, but a Grammy. Oh my God. Just, uh, uh, so it just shows that there is no cancel culture for certain people. Like you can reach a certain stage and you're not going to be canceled. And Louis CK is one of them. And people say, no, it's allegations. No, he gave a long article where he admitted it. And nobody in the press is going to all those guys, Chris Rock included, and that's his friend. That's the guy he told, you're just like a black guy. You can say the N-word. Like, oh. 
He ain't said nothing about it. So it's just some, yeah, so it's, it's a whole, it's a whole lot of bullshit. Some bullshit, as you like to say. So, voice memo, we are about to, you know, a heat wave here. Um, how are you feeling? Fuck. You know, 90 degrees on April 7th doesn't sound fun at all. Uh, you know, and part of me, you know, being from Wisconsin, spending my first 24 years in a state that from humidity to below zero temperatures with the wind chill, it just, I would take this heat wave over shoveling fucking snow. Let me tell you that. So there's a reason why 40 million people live in this state. And it's not because it's not because it has beautiful beaches and, you know, uh, great culture and amazing restaurant. It's because we pay for this motherfucking sun. <laughs> we, really, we really do it. You know what? As a born and bred Californian, you know, I've, I've lived in other states, but I, this is, this is my home, and um, I live in. I've told people I live in Sacramento, and Sacramento is it, Sacramento is hot, and yeah, we're going to be in the nineties um, this weekend, and in April. That means that by May we're going to be in the two hundreds. Like it's going to be so hot. But I have news because I am voice memo. I am leaving the country on Saturday. Oh, God damn you. Not only that, but you're also doing another major life change coming up. And I think today's the last day. Um... So I got two big events. So one, so I, so I have two uncles and they're brothers and they're um, about 14 years, about 12 years in age, in age difference between them. So one is like my older brother and one is, was like my surrogate dad. And so he just turned 75, my Uncle Bill, and uh, on April 1st, and he, uh, we decided, my other uncle and I, we're taking him on a train uh, trip across Canada. Fuck. Yeah, so we are, we are flying to Vancouver on uh, Saturday. We're spending a couple of days in the beautiful, beautiful city of Vancouver, and then we're boarding a train, and we're going to spend about five days crossing the great... Canadian wild and we're going to end up in uh, Toronto and we're going to go do a Toronto uh, baseball game while we're there so we're going to see a lot of stuff right two days in Vancouver the train will stop a few different places we're going to see a lot of Canada uh, explore Toronto and get their baseball game like I was saying we're going to Elian uh, is going to meet us in Toronto we'll spend a couple of nights there then we're all going to fly back to California together so that is um, where I'll be the next couple of weeks. So I believe a uh, voice moment, we're going to do a pod, We're going to do this podcast. I'll be on the train. So we're going to see how that works out. And then the other voice memo, I am leaving my job. Uh, today is my last day. As, as a matter of fact, Hello. <laughs> Hey, Hey, Jen, I should be at work right now, but I don't give a damn. <laughs> I'm sitting there. In my um, I, yeah, so I, I have worked in the senior industry uh, for quite some time and senior living industry. And um, it's been a, a beautiful run, but the two years, two plus years of COVID, um, and Jenna, as you know, I don't want to go into a great story here, but I, I lost uh, my brother last year. I am taking some needed time off and I'm going to focus on my, my writing. I have a new novel that's out. I'm going to focus on this podcast, making it um, the best that we can make it. I have my blog, my digital magazine, so I'm going to be very busy. Um, with all the writing adventures I have in my life, plus my daughter 
Leah is her last, getting her last year of high school. And then uh, we're approaching summer and uh, my partner lives in New York and uh, she will be off for the summer. So I'm gonna try to see if I can get her out here or we're gonna trade time. So I have a lot to do. I'm just not gonna be doing the corporate stuff. I mean, I wanna say that jealousy is super ugly on me. Not only are you going on a, a trip, but you're actually retiring from the corporate world and the mundane of the, the nine to five, or actually should I say now like seven to six um, job hours. Um, and you get to do, and you get to spend time doing what you love, which is writing and traveling and spend time with your daughter before she graduates and goes off to college. And um, yeah, I would say today that jealousy is super ugly on me because I am just incredibly, uh, one, incredibly jealous, but also just incredibly proud that you get to do, that not many people do that in life. And, and to be able to have that opportunity for you, I'm super excited for you to be able to do that. And, and, and hopefully uh, as we grow this podcast and we see, receive amazing feedback from, you know, our family and friends and maybe some new friends that join and listen, that we can continue to evolve this and um, share the feedback that we receive and, and continue to develop a strong conversation, uh, shallow podcast too. So I'm excited for all of that. Uh, for you and for us. I'm going to thank you for that. I'm going to voice my mom. I'll be able to bother you at all hours of the day and night. Motherfucker. You know, I, a little side note, <laughs> Myron, and I, Myron and I used to uh, work together for a major cellular, cellular company. And I, when I tell you, we ain't lying about texting at all hours of the day. We started an industry that uh, we started an industry that started text messaging. So we thought, eh, we don't know about this, sending a message to your phone type thing. And I will tell you, I keep my phone by my side, by my side 24 seven because of how it was ingrained working for you back in the day of how responsive you needed to be. So I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> you know, it's funny, that was back in the day when I was married and after a while, my ex my ex would say, uh, he's just texting Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Memories, memories, memories. I love it. So are you doing anything fun this weekend? Uh, well, my train trip. For your trip? And I'm stressing out uh, my partner because of today. Today is, we're recording this podcast on Wednesday. I leave Saturday and I've said I am going to be packing on Friday. And that has stressed her out. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I start laying clothes out uh, probably a week before my trip just to put it on the bed to make sure I'm getting everything that I need. I told her, look, I'm, I'm going to, I'm sure I would do some laundry by Thursday. And uh, we're not leaving uh, here to go to the airport until uh, 9 a.m. on um, Saturday. So worse comes to worse. Everything will be dry by Saturday by eight. <laughs> <laughs> you could just hang it out your car as you're driving to the airport. Let, let the wind dry it. Yeah, you know what I figure? I've been thinking about it because, you know, my, my, like my uncle, one of my uncles sent me a list of everything he's packing. Just this, you know, just this organized, comprehensive list of everything. And I just thought, how can somebody be that organized and structured? And I'm thinking about, 
you know all those extra bags that we all have from the grocery stores they make us buy these 10 10 cent bags yep i have a closet i have maybe like i think in maybe about 300 of those bags so i'm thinking i could sort of pack in all those bags and just put those in a giant garbage bag inside of a suitcase and i'm done (laughs) i'm embarrassed for you Oh my God. Oh my God. So voicemail, what are you doing this weekend? You know, I, not a whole hell of a lot, actually. I think I'm going to go get a manicure pedicure and that's about it. Honestly, I have to, you and I talked about this last week. I have to get something on the books. I have to plan something because I, I am jealous that you're taking a trip. I was so scared of taking a trip in February for my birthday because I didn't want to get, you know, I didn't want to stay somewhere because I got sick. So now I'm getting the bug to, to do something. So maybe this weekend I'll spend some time researching. I like to, maybe my brother and I will hit up Costa Rica or something, but you know, having Mojito, who's also losing his sight, I can't just have anybody watch him, right? So they have to come to my house because he's familiar with it. And, you know, he certain eats at a certain time, goes out to the, go to the bathroom at a certain time. So, uh, it, it's a little challenging for me, but I'm, I, I think thinking about a trip will be exciting. So maybe I'll spend some time doing that this weekend. Hey, you know what? That sounds good. Unfortunately, I, I meant to tell you. So I sent, I sent my two uncles. Uh, I've been sending them a series of text messages leading up to this trip. And let me tell you what the messages have been about. I have told them, look, uncles, this, this train will not have all of your personal food choices and desires. Like, let me tell you why I tell them that. Because look, I'm not, I guess we've all black people, but there's a certain brand of older black people who feel that when they're in a restaurant or, or, or a restaurant, let's just stick, it, stick to restaurants, that that particular restaurant, wherever it is, they should have everything that that person wants prepared how they want it. And it should be very specific to them. And I've told my uncles, I said, look, I told my uncle Vernon, they're not gonna have the bacon brand that you want, like that's not gonna happen. And my uncle, I feel like they're not gonna have moon pies and all <laughs> the weird shit that you like from growing up, you know, in East Oakland and, and in Louisiana. Like they're not gonna have that. So you gotta prepare yourself. You're in a training in a confined space. They have what they have because these uncles, I've been dining with them all over the country through the years, and they just, oh my God, they're the most high maintenance restaurant people in the world. And so my, so, my, so my one uncle, the older one that we're taking, where they were taking, he turned 75, he responded back. He said, look, I'm not going to have any special requests. All I want is some oxtails and black eyed peas. I'm like, man, come on. I think I know oxtails on a train in Canada. He said, he's not hurt the ass. I'm like, oh my God, here we go. So, please don't ask. Please don't ask. I, right? And so then, and so, then, I, and so then I was telling this story to my daughter, Leah. And she said, well, daddy, you always want uh, real maple syrup. And I was, like, I was like, look, let me tell you something. I demand real maple syrup. Like, that's, my, that's my line right there. And we're going to be in Canada. Like Canada, my understanding, I've never been there. My understanding is that you can walk down the street and step in some maple syrup. Like it's everywhere. So <laughs> I'm expecting some of that Canuck uh, 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 real maple Canadian syrup on everything. I want it on everything. It would be like going to Georgia and them not having peaches. Right? Like, why would you go there and not have that? So I, <laughs> I 
won't have chicken and waffles. Like they not, they won't have that, but they'll have some type of Canadian version of pancakes or waffles or or French toast. I mean, they, they do have like a whole French province up there. So maybe, but I don't think French toast is French. But anyway, that's all another story. But they need to have have um, real maple syrup. So my daughter was pointing out that I am just like them. I have my line in the sand. So <laughs> this will be. I can't wait to have a conversation about your trip when you get back. That's for sure. I think I, I think our our followers, our listeners will love to hear some of the, the, the journey that you're on with the, with your brothers and your uncles. I think it's going to be an amazing, an amazing time for you. Be fun. So this is a great, uh, fun time. This, this episode covered a lot and, um, we're going to, we're going to try to see if we can get another episode out while I'm on the train. We'll see how that works out. Jen, I hope this, this sound is better when we produce this and, uh, we want everybody to keep giving us your feedback. And then Jen, I think it'd be nice if you sent our podcast um, guy a picture of Mojito. And it'd be nice to put that in the show notes. We can show a picture and people can start following the adventures of Mojito. Um, the grown-up dog, the beast. Yeah, the grown-up dog. It's pretty cool. So uh, thanks to all our listeners. And thanks for the feedback. Keep it coming. We'd love to um, hear from you. And we also, because we will read all the feedback. And then we also um, encourage you, like every other podcast, to, to rate the perform rate our podcast, rate it a five or a four, however the rating system go. If you want to rate it anything less than that, then don't. <laughs> <laughs> then this doesn't pertain to you. <laughs> you just keep it moving. If it doesn't, fine, then just keep moving or whatever it's like, you know, so just keep going. So... Find Jen online. Jen, what's your handles online? It's Jen Van Lannan Veg. Nice. You find her on, on IG. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's on IG. And then the redheaded vegan on Twitter. Okay, there you go. And find me. I'm just Myron Clifton, Myron J. Clifton, I think, on Twitter. And uh, I think I'm Dear Dean Publishing and maybe Myron Clifton on, on that Facebook thing and Instagram. I think I'm Dear Dean Publishing. So you can also find me at DearDean.com and uh, my Dear Dean magazine and see me on Amazon on my author page, Myron Clifton. So episode two in the books. Hope to see you guys all or hear you and hope you hear from us and visit us next week. Say goodbye, Jen. Blood out. Peace out, mofos. Hey. Hello.